Hello and welcome to the Green Shoots podcast, a conversation about intellectual property focused on what matters most to innovators right now. We discuss managing, monetizing and protecting IP in the context of what's happening now in industry, IP law and beyond. I'm your host, Charlie Leslie, and I'm part of the IP team here at Appleyard Lees. Joining us today are Appleyard Lees partners and patent attorneys, Julia Gwilt and Bobby Smithson. Julia is a software specialist and oversees the patent portfolios of a wide variety of clients, including startups, research organisations and multinationals. Bobby is a chemist who works closely with in-house patent departments of large UK and US companies. Julia and Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Uh, So as the world adjusts to the implications of COVID-19, movement is still restricted in many areas and innovation is potentially compromised and priorities are shifting. So what are you and your clients thinking about right now? Um, Bobby, if you want to start. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Hi, Charlie. So it's a tough one. I mean, one of the things they're thinking about is is extensions, really, um, because things are so up in the air. And different patent offices across the world have, have uh, managed to 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 extend things, but not in a kind of a coordinated way, but in their own way, as you would expect. Um, I think at the very beginning of, of of all of this, things were moving so quickly um, that it, it was patent offices reacting very, very sort of strangely and and as, as best they could, but but it was difficult to follow on a day by day basis. Subsequent to that, the the European Patent Office have have been a bit more on on top of things and issued notices extending deadlines, sort of blanket extensions to to many deadlines, really. Those work products don't just appear. They don't just, you know, they they take time to prepare. And I can say to my clients at the beginning, beginning of April, we've got until the 17th of April to sort this out, so don't worry about it. But by the time it gets to sort of the 13th, 14th, I'll be saying to them, we kind of need to get on top of this now and then two days later the EPO extended again and that's the situation we're in now so you know clients are looking for a bit more certainty I think I don't know what Julia's experience of that has been thanks Bobby hi Charlie I think my experience has been slightly different partly coloured because I myself was unwell when everybody was panicking and and, and getting the initial um, deadlines into to extended and, and thinking about things and and trying to to rush through all the changes so by the time I came out and was back um back fit again and able to to start thinking about my deadlines um actually I think a lot of things had fallen into place for me and and my experience was slightly more positive because I actually found by the time I needed to cancel an oral proceedings at very short notice because it had um, we hadn't had confirmation it was it was it was cancelled from the EPO and I, I'm coming back fully fit sort of on a Thursday thinking oh my goodness I've got all proceedings by video conference not in person um, on the Monday I still don't really feel well enough to do it when I spoke to the examiner he was actually very accommodating and he said well you can just say you're ill and we can cancel it because I, but I think by that stage um, it was because they had ironed out some of the earlier problems and the as, as Bobby talked about the conflicting notices. It sounds like maybe some of those differences there were or, or the latitude that the examiner was able to 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 give you might have been the difference between examination or proceedings versus opposition or proceedings where there's obviously another party to to consider as well. I agree with you. I think the examination or proceedings, which because they're private and only involve the applicant and the the, the examiners, I, the examiners definitely seem to have um, more flexibility at the moment. I mean, in fact, actually chatting to the examiner, I've, I've seen a more human side to the EPO 
um, and talking about his personal situation and the fact that he's working from his office, which is in his daughter's bedroom and t telling me about the decorations in his daughter's bedroom, which will be the backdrop to our video conference oral proceedings when that goes ahead um, in early July. Um, because I, I previously, um, the uh, European Patent Office was very strict, or at least that my interpretation was that they were very strict about where you were taking these calls from and how private the location was, particularly for examination or proceedings. And um, and so there were constraints on what you wear, where you are. And that, certainly with the examination or proceedings, the examiner I was talking to was very cavalier said, well, as long as you can hear me and I can hear your arguments and you've had your right to be heard, I don't care what I can see behind you and I hope you enjoy my my daughter's paintings and so it was it was much more casual and 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 that seems to be borne out by some of our colleagues who've actually um had one or two of these video conferences there is this extra rule which basically says that um or well, the way the European Patent Office seem to be interpreting it says that in exceptional circumstances beyond the applicant's control um, you can have an extension for submitting documents, but you would need evidence um, to, to prove that, you know, in the in the period leading up to that deadline, you, you couldn't submit them. Now, from my reading of that rule, it was actually put in place to talk about dislocations with the post. So, you know, sort of th there's a war going on in my country and the postman's not coming, that, that kind of exception. But it seems like from the European Patent Office's communications that that rule is is being sort of interpreted broadly to talk just generally about exceptional circumstances. Thankfully, we're in the fortunate position, I think, where we are largely unaffected and can meet the deadlines um, without the extensions, um, generally speaking. But of course, things could change. And interesting, when talking to the European examiner about rescheduling the oral proceedings, because um, instead of the normal six-month notice period for these rescheduled oral proceedings, I'm only going to have two months' notice, and so they have to have a discussion with you to to agree the change. He was at pains to point out, he says, I don't know what the situation is in your country. If and if you tell me that you can't do this oral proceedings in a, in a couple of months, um, I, I'll reschedule it for later in the year, and, and, and we can be much more flexible. And they, he was aiming to be as flexible as possible. But again, as you say, Bobby, that's that's a real difference between a, just inter-parties and, and, you know, ex-parties. So, so talking, it's just me and the examiner and his team of examiners obviously have to agree on the date. Um, and they do seem to be, well, I'm sure it's very much examiner-led, but this my particular experience seems to be very positive and other people are speaking in similar ways. With um, sort of the continued restrictive movement that everyone is experiencing, are there any specific procedures or would you like to see any procedures put in place that would continue regular communication or so that nothing really is left to chance? Being able to do oral proceedings by video conference, um, as we've always done, for example, or we try to do as default for examination, um, means that we are continuing largely um, business as usual in, in terms of our European patent prosecution. But of course, it, for opposition, where you would ordinarily do the oral proceedings in person and do the travelling, and it it is much harder to to marshal um, multiple different people onto multiple different video conference feeds. Um, the travel restrictions definitely cause some issues with the um, oral proceedings for OPs, and it's great to see the EPO trialling um, oral proceedings by video conference and. Uh, some tests have taken place. Um, but I think people are nervous about how that will pan out for these multi-party 
um, links. It, 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 you know, there, there's ways that you behave in a in-person situation which are difficult to recreate over the video conference. Do you agree, Bobby? I, th- I think that's right. I think, you know, you know again, looking at what the European Patent Office have put in place in the last month, my biggest concerns, I think, would be the handling of, of clients in those scenarios. I attend lots of opposition or proceedings with clients, so normally as technical experts. Um, and, you know, that's really important and really useful for me so that when the, the, the other side, be it the applicant or the patentee, is making a point about the specific technical aspects in the case, I can sort of scribble a quick note to, to, to the technical experts sat next to me, you know, literally a note that says, does this make sense? Or is he making this up? You know, it can literally be that kind of simple. That can be absolutely invaluable um, and very difficult to, to have that separate channel um, at the moment that I can see in, in the way that things are, are, are working. The other the other concern with with handling clients is, you know, I've been in scenarios, and I'm sure you have too, Julia, where you want a client to stop talking um, because they're, they're they're either making points which are not relevant, or you know sometimes could steer could sort of um, move into areas which which might st- start to feel detrimental to the to, to to the case. And you know, I've I've cut across clients on a number of occasions for for those reasons, just to try and control them. And again, on a video conference, that might be a bit bit more difficult. You certainly can't uh, <laughs> kick them under the table or something in the way that you might have done might have done before. Yeah, I, I agree with you. My experience in examination or proceedings is actually you're you're really quite up close and personal on the video screen with the with the examiners, and I, I guess you would be with the. Um, other members of the opposition or proceedings on the other side or the client. So you'd be able to see their faces very clearly. And actually what you'd see, which you don't get currently, is you'd see your own face, which I think is something that we're all adjusting to the fact that we're confronted with our own face on a, on a, to a large, much, much greater uh, extent than we are normally. So you'd actually be able to read your own face. So maybe it's actually a benefit to have the video conference, make sure you're not giving anything away inadvertently in your own facial expressions. Of course, the big difference as well with opposition or proceedings, which we've seen with a new test case is they are public proceedings. So any member of the public or any interested party is able to just drop into those opposition or proceedings. So the EPO have to enable that too. So the whole the technicalities that are required just become that little bit more complex. And I'm not saying it's possible, but I, I think we just haven't got our head around yeah. how we might do it. But I, I do think it's preferable and beneficial. I think there's a, another one thing that's just come to me as you said that about that about the pub, you know being public proceedings and and the fact that um, anyone can join. I mean that's always been the case, and I'm sure we well I've certainly had, and I'm sure you will have too, Julie. I've had cases where. You're following an opposition for a client because you really want to know the outcome. You really want to understand the arguments. You want to know what's being said on the day, but you couldn't turn up in person without potentially giving away who you're, you know, the client that you represent and 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 what they're concerned about effectively. Um, and I wonder if um, in this new world, the video link, if you have to have your own video on, or you can just declare yourself a member of the public, and almost be just a bit more uh, um, anonymous uh, sort of looking on and listening um, versus turning up in the room and you can say, well, I'm just a member of the public, but 
they can see your face and they can perhaps know who you are from different hearings and things like that. Um, just a thought, really. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how the EPOs actually plan to, to do that. I can see they've obviously got the website where you can see all the oral proceedings that are scheduled um, for a particular day. At the moment, they're all um, examination oral proceedings, so they're private, so you couldn't request to go into them as an individual. I've, I've had it actually at opposition oral proceedings where um, other members of the examining division have come along to learn about oppositions. And that the, historically, you've always had to say who you are. Your ID has been taken in the same way everybody else's ID is checked for patentee, for opponent. Um, and typically, people have given a reason for being there. Like, as I said, this examiner just said, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of getting some opposition experience. I'm here. Or someone said, actually, I'm just really interested in this technology. I've come along just to see how it the technology pans out in argumentation. So um, I'm not sure you're obligated to tell people why you are, but because it, it's in face and person to person, you, you can have that kind of chat. It's not recorded in the minutes as anything official, but you're right online. I'm not sure whether people would be tempted to just, I guess their IDs would have to be checked. I don't, it's public, but not um, anonymous. Um, but that could change, I guess, couldn't it? Mm, interesting thought. Might might end up going nowhere, but uh, an interesting one. Uh, the, the the other thing which we've seen um, be difficult with with the video conference oral proceedings, be be that uh, examination or, or the the first of these opposition ones that have been piloted, is the filing of amendments uh, on the day and 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 further requests and things like that. You know, oppositions and and examination proceedings can be quite fluid. Um, in that, you know, after a few hours, you think, okay, well, we're getting to the nub of the problem here. What if I just delete that claim? What if I just add, add that word here and that word there? And of course, when you're in the room, you can just hand a piece of paper across and, you know, initial it in the right way and make sure you've got enough copies. But but apart from that, it's, it's you know, sort of a 10, 10 to 20 minute job. Whereas uh, electronically, I guess that, that can present more problems. Well, interesting. I see that the other way around, actually, with the move from the oral proceedings to insist um, on typed up amendments. Um, if you're at the EPO, um, getting those amendments typed up, printed out was sometimes really troublesome, finding finding the right devices, finding the right, um, getting to the right room to get the printing done, making sure there's paper in the printer, all those sorts of basic things. Whereas I find making the amendments in the office um, much, much more straightforward. That's why uh, one of the real benefits I see of examination or proceedings by video by video conference is the ability to make the amendments um, much more effectively. Um, particularly if you're having to amend the description, because of course they don't accept handwritten amendments anymore. I agree with you that, of course, you were then able to print it out, sign it, and scan it in, and either email it or fax it back to the examiner, depending on what mechanism they preferred to receive them. So that adding a signature is has got more complicated in the, the current circumstances. And I, I've seen that the move that the EPO now want everything filed online um, using their normal online services, which um, we didn't have to do previously in oral proceedings, which does seem to add a layer of complication. It's, it's not one that you can't get around. And also the reason I think the examiners haven't wanted it filed online before is they seem to have difficulty at their end accessing the online register, and it was quicker for them to get things by email or by fax. There are pluses and negatives um, on on the VC oral proceedings, and and they might be different for examination versus versus op opposition. Um, I think for 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 clients overall, I, I think it's probably 
better. I think it gives us some headaches, um, but I think it gives us some some potentially you know, sort of easier things to deal with, like you say. I guess time will tell on the opposition side whether that, you know, when we get through the teething problems of perhaps human interaction and handling clients, et cetera. Um, but like lots of things at, at the moment, you know, we're having to uh, we're having to adapt extremely quickly. Um, you know, if, if they'd said, um, if, if the COVID issue hadn't arisen and the European Patent Office had decided to move to video conference oppositions, there would have perhaps been a huge uproar and, and, and in five years' time it would have settled. It seems like now they've just started this year-long pilot, um, you know, at the drop of a hat almost, and maybe we'll just have to move more quickly. And again, as I say, like a lot of things at the moment, things which would perhaps have taken a long time to get sorted out are just getting done quickly because of necessity. Julia, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us here at the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Green Sheets podcast by Appleyard Lees. If you have a question or issue you'd like our IP specialists to discuss on the podcast, then tweet us at Appleyard Lees or email us at ip at appleyardlees.com. Thank you.